0: The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Sample
1: Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Greetings and welcome to episode 153 of the Sample Chapter Podcast, Oh my gosh, everybody. Uh let me just start off today by saying I'm sorry for uh for this being a little late today. Uh very late, actually. I'm several hours behind schedule on getting this episode up. But well, the excuse I have is that today is my birthday. <laughs> and um uh, I I kinda overslept a little bit, thinking, yeah, I was gonna get the data for myself, but my family had other plans. So yeah, I'm I'm biting the bullet and I'm just gonna let everybody know that I dropped the ball. And uh, I'm just now getting back out to my office. I can work on this episode and putting it out for today because I cannot wait to share this episode with you. Our guest this week is Dwayne Clayton out of Calgary, Canada. And we are discussing a whole lot of wonderful things like the need for validation as an author, uh, writing what you know, which is you know a common thing, comes up on the show. Uh, also talking about when those pesky characters begin to talk to us. And uh, using paramedics as character, which is something Dwayne doesn't see very often, so he's bringing that forward himself. Yeah, It's a great discussion. I really enjoyed talking to Dwayne, and, and I think you're going to really enjoy this. So I'm so excited to be able to share this episode with you, and uh, I again, I just apologize to everybody for having this up late. I especially apologize to Dwayne for not having this episode up this morning. I should have prepared ahead of time and assumed that my family might have been up to something, but <laughs> still... <laughs> Oh my gosh. Anyway, so in other news, uh, actually, I messed up on another thing. (laughs) Last week, I talked about my debut novel, Nine Mile Bridge. It's a paranormal thriller, and I was going to have that on sale in preparation for hopefully some good news coming up soon about my next novel, and uh, well, I was was planning on it being on sale today, and uh, well, again... I was busy all weekend and I did not get around to plugging that into Amazon until late Sunday and by then I missed my deadline for Tuesday. All that to say that the sale is actually going to begin tomorrow, November 25th. So this will be our thanks, my Thanksgiving sale. <laughs> Thanksgiving weekend, Black Friday, whatever you want to call it. The ebook could be on sale for 99 cents for starting tomorrow, Wednesday the 25th through Sunday the 29th and it goes till late sunday here in central time i think it goes to about 11 or 12 o'clock at midnight so if you are a kindle unlimited subscriber you can already borrow it for free but if you'd like to buy it then you can do that for 99 cents and uh, then keep an eye open or an ear open as it would be in podcast world <laughs> keep an ear open for the possible announcements uh gosh it's it's really it's very possible it could be as early as next week um i Think I'm gonna be able to finish my edits in the next couple of days is what I'm hoping for. I uh, got some time off, and uh, yeah, I'm hoping to uh, to put a lot of focus on that and get it finished up this next week. And uh, maybe next week I can announce an actual pre-order date for my next book, uh, which is a psychological thriller, a novel idea. So stay tuned for that. That's uh, some uh, some really exciting news I've got, and it's coming up real soon. Hey, uh, meanwhile, I want to make sure that you are all following the show on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just just look us up as Sample Chapter Podcast. You can find us there in all of those locations. You can also reach out to the show via email at SampleChapterPodcast at gmail.com. And there's a bunch of you out there that have been checking out the show and emailing me, and I've been very, very bad With email in the last oh gosh month at least anybody who's been following the show lately you know I've had a lot of uh, my my mom had a lot of health problems Uh, she's doing much better now and we just celebrated her birthday the other day a couple days ago but I I also want to thank everybody for all of you wonderful listeners out there who commented on my post on social media wishing my mom a happy birthday so that was a real treat uh, not just for me and uh, you know, hearing so many people out there wishing my mom happy birthday, but to see that I I've, I've uh, got some really great friends out there in the uh, author world, podcast world, but also for my mom, she she was just like, oh my gosh, I don't know who these authors and podcasters are, but they're wishing me happy birthday. Jason's mom, happy birthday! So she she was pretty thrilled by that. And uh, I just want to say again, thank you to all of you. And uh, if you have emailed me and I have not answered back, I will be very very soon. I'm planning on uh, actually starting to do some more correspondence with email over the next few days while I have off through the uh, Thanksgiving weekend. So you should be hearing from me real soon, and we're going to get something set up. I am pretty full already through the rest of the year, but we'll see if I can fit you in. Otherwise, I'm looking at early next year to start booking spots. My gosh, that's just amazing to think that it's already that late in the year. Amazing. Anyway, if you (laughs) back to what I'm talking about. If you would like to contact the show, again, of course, there's that email, SampleChapterPodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave me a voicemail by calling 660-851-1146. I also want to thank our sponsors, starting with Scrivener Writing Software, my absolute favorite writing software, the only one I ever use anymore, to be perfectly honest with you. I have all of my writing in there, my current books, and uh, all of the, the projects I'm working on. I just pull up whichever one is uh, inspiring me or whichever one I need to work on uh <laughs> right then and uh get right to work. I've got the corkboard, I've got my character bios. I've actually started adding pictures to my character bios, which is really cool because I've had I've been inspired lately to realizing how this actor or that actress makes me think of what this uh character would look like. So I've been adding pictures to it, which is a really neat thing. And uh, there's just so many great things you can do with Scrivener. So make sure you listen to this upcoming ad and listen to the coupon code CHAPTER. So you can save yourself 20% on the regular desktop version. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scribner Writing Software. Built by writers for writers. Yes, indeed. I love, love, love Scribner, And so happy to have them as a part of the show. I also really love our uh, podcast network that we became a part of coming up on two years ago. Pop Goes the Culture network home to about a dozen other pop culture related shows, Fanatics and the Fan, Pop Goes the Culture podcast, so many other wonderful shows over there. You really got to click the links and uh, get on over and check out all those amazing shows. The uh, the flagship show Pop Goes the Culture podcast is on a little bit of a hiatus right now, although Joey has had been doing some interviews, some really cool stuff going on. Over there, but I think he's also on a little bit of a vacation throughout the holidays. But still, you can check out all their past episodes, and uh, there are other shows that are still going on right now. Uh, you know, like I said, Phonetics and the Fan—that's a really fun show. Check it out. Then, of course, there's my other podcast network that I'm so happy to be a part of, Project Entertainment Network, home to over 30 shows, and the Pen Network is not just 30 shows, more than 30 shows, but a wide variety of shows just about anything you are interested in something that you might want to check out such as uh, you know how about gutting the sacred cow <laughs> what the heck is that well check out this advertisement for that spot hey everybody it's kevin gotee it's kevin israel and you're listening to gutting the sacred cow on the project entertainment network hey kevin what exactly is gutting the sacred cow Gutting the Sacred Cow is a podcast where we invite comedians and talented people every episode to come on and trash a movie that you probably love or someone
0: you know loves.
1: That's right. We've trashed, we, our guests, have trashed such films as Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Gone with the Wind, Greece, even Star Wars. Can you imagine the balls on that guy? Did he succeed? I
0: cannot. Yeah.
1: Well, listen and you'll find out. This is Kevin Goate and Kevin Israel for gutting the sacred cow <laughs> all right now you know that's gutting the sacred cow I don't know why I thought of that with Thanksgiving but there you have it so <laughs> all right hey without further ado let's get on over to our interview with crime thriller author Dwayne Claydon. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast. This week, we are going back to one of my favorite locations up in Canada with crime thriller author Dwayne Clayton. Mr. Clayton is an author, speaker, instructor, formerly with the Calgary Police, Fire Department, and EMS. He has co authored four emergency medical services textbooks and more than 100 articles in EMS journals. On the crime fiction side, his work has been a finalist for the Crime Writers of Canada Arthur Ellis Award, and I am so excited to talk with him today. Welcome to the show, Mr. Clayton. Oh,
0: thank you very much for having me
1: on the show, Jason. Thank you. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. So uh, I, how are things in Canada? Are you you staying safe and doing doing well there?
0: Yeah, yeah, we're staying safe. Uh we've isolated like like most people and uh, that just gave me an opportunity to do lots of writing (laughs) fantastic fantastic yeah this this episode will drop
1: a couple weeks after but right now we're still in the midst here in america of waiting to see what's going to happen with our election we have no idea who knows maybe by the time this episode comes out it'll still be going on but yeah yeah we've we've been watching from here too (laughs) it's been a mess but we've we've had this a few times in the last couple of decades. So I don't know what, what to think right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, so now give us a little bit of your, your uh, writing history because I see where you have been writing for quite some time.
0: Yeah, I guess uh, it kind of started in high school. Uh, the classes I liked were uh, the English class and, and social studies classes. And I was terrible at the sciences. And then ironically, I ended up as a paramedic where I needed all my sciences. Um, But the writing started in high school, and I like just writing uh, kind of satire types of things. But then uh, career came, and as a police officer, I wrote reports. And as I've looked back in my notes, I didn't write very well. Um, And then when I was teaching uh, the paramedic program, I met a doctor from the States, Dr. Brian Bledsoe. We hit it off, and he uh, was writing a number of textbooks, and one of them was on pre-hospital pharmacology, And that's one of the courses I was teaching and we got into a discussion and he needed a co-author. So uh, I've been co-author with him on pre-hospital emergency pharmacology since, oh, I think the early 90s, we're in the eighth edition now. Um, I worked on a couple other textbooks. And then in uh, 2010, I decided that it was time to have a a hobby other than than emergency services because it seemed everything I did was emergency services. Um, so I got this idea to write. I went to work, googled writing classes. There was one that started the next week. So I signed up for it. And that was in October 2010. And here we are 10 years later, and um, my fifth book will come out. And the sixth one is uh, in edit. Wow, that's fantastic. What, what, now, which one was the, uh, the first book? Was that Crisis Point? Yeah, Crisis Point was the first one. And that was the one that was a finalist for the Arthur Ellis Awards. And that came at a, at, a, at a great time because I was really questioning my writing ability and and whether this was something I wanted to do. And then uh, I got the boost from the award, and so I, I just pulled it on from there. <laughs>
1: so, so, some nice little boost there to uh, like, okay, yep, I can do this.
0: So. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and you know, every writer I've talked to needs that needs the validation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you just need to know that what we're doing is somebody likes it, I guess. And that was just, that was a huge validation um, at that point. Absolutely.
1: And it was the introduction of your uh, your main character, Brad Coulter. So tell us about Brad.
0: Well, you know, the, the writing premise, everybody is heard is write what you know. So, so even though I said I was going to start writing and get away from emergency services, what I end up writing about is emergency services. So I don't know that I got that far away. Um, I was a police officer for three years and then switched over to be a paramedic. So uh, most of my career, as I said, was as a paramedic. So the premise with Brad Coulter was, if I had stayed in the police department, what could my career have looked like? And so I guess initially, you know, Brad Coulter was was my alter ego. um, And I kind of picked things in the career that I thought I wanted to do. And then... An interesting thing happened, not so much in the first book, but in Outlaw, um, Brad started talking to me. Um, I think he started writing his own story, or he didn't want to be me or something like that. Mm -hmm. But he took things in a direction that I hadn't really expected to go. And so that, I think that made it more interesting. The story was less uh, maybe mirroring me or my career and... Brad just became his own character with his own idiosyncrasies and his own traits. And uh, we just like him. That, that phrase that he started to talk to you is something
1: only writers understand. Cause <laughs> even my wife still looks at me like, what, when I'm telling her about a, a character in a book, I'm like, Oh yeah, I didn't know where this was going until they told me that, yeah, they had this background and this happened to them next. And, and she kind of shakes her head like, oh, okay, whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, sometimes I just feel like I'm the scribe. I'm just there to type the words onto the page, and it's coming from somewhere else.
1: And I, I love the way that, uh, like you said, you you did took the tactic of writing what you know. Which for me, that that took me a long time to really understand that because I same way I was like, oh well, gosh, I've just done, I had done lots of different jobs, uh, never been with one for very long until lately. So I was like, I don't, I don't know what to write, but now I, I get it. I, I understand taking that experience from here or there and putting it into the stories, and and I think that's a fantastic way for you to take your experience and uh, put it into these books.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm excited about all the careers I had or the changes that I made. I mean, emergency services is just really exciting, and so uh, it's easy, I suppose, in some respect, because of my background to write about emergency services in the stories. And one of the things that I do with my novels that I'm pretty sure nobody else does is that I have paramedics as characters in all my stories. So, you know, if you're watching TV, somebody gets shot, the detectives are there, police are there, the ambulance kind of comes, grabs the guy and leaves. That's it. That's all you see. Hmm. So in my books, I, I have uh, the paramedics responding to the calls, their characters, you get to know them, you get to know their background, if they're married, they're single, if they have kids, struggles in their lives, um, and then how all of that shuts off when they get sent to a call. And then I detail um, the treatment they give. So uh, again, readers, readers like that, that's a different side that they haven't seen. And now they have a better understanding of paramedics and the stresses and, and what, they, what they can do. That's fascinating. Do
1: you, do you ever find yourself going uh, maybe too far or too close to maybe somebody that you know in, in one of the characters?
0: Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I think, you know, when I started out, especially in Crisis Point, most of the people were composites of, of people I had worked with. Mm. Um, and then one of the main characters in, in the series, his name is Jerry Briscoe. He's a sergeant, was based on a partner of mine who has has passed away and um last year right about this time i was at a christmas sale and a lady came up to me and it was his wife and she told me how much she enjoyed the stories and reading about uh, some of the things that he and i had done as partners that i put in the book and she remembered those stories so that that was that was was the good side to it Some she really appreciated that
1: (laughs) That's nice. That's nice. You get to kind of immortalize them a little bit.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Now, he and he wasn't easy on me. He was really hard on me. And I have a <laughs> book that way. But, but, you know, when you look back, I see how much um, he shaped me in, in the things that he taught me as we, when we were partners. Wow. Oh, that's, that's amazing. That's awesome.
1: So what kind of classes uh, were you taking whenever you f- uh, first uh, dove into the writing uh, aspect of it? What were the classes you were
0: taking? Yeah, well, I started out just, it was an eight-week course, uh, one, one night a week, just, just basic writing. And uh, the instructor, you know, started with, uh, I think we started with characters and then worked into plot and then talked about the arc. And, you know, all of that was a foreign language to me. <laughs> an arc well, that, that's a boat why are we talking about boats and so I mean I had to learn a whole new vocabulary and in, in my profession we we love acronyms and uh so you know it was kind of the you know, if you heard us talking you'd go what are you talking about and for me going to the writing class it was the same thing I didn't understand some of the language that's going on but it was it was a great class um when I first handed in a uh an assignments and everybody in the class read each other's work i was nervous um, because most of the well, other than me everybody else was female in the class hmm. And i was writing a police story and i just thought oh they're gonna hate it this they're not gonna like this at all and i was preparing myself for the worst news possible and they all liked it and so that was exciting however you know an instructor just can't let you get away with that and so the instructor said well it was well written However, she felt that it read like a policy manual rather than a story. (laughs) So, you know, that was from writing the textbooks, right? Because it was very, very uh, set up how that would go. So I had to learn to tell stories um, and not just write, you know, kind of one, two, three, four, five. So that, that was my learning. So I continued on. I just took classes one after the other for the next three years. And oh, whenever wow. sign up, but well, One of them was a year long class. So the idea was a year long to write your novel and crisis point took quite a while it took about seven years from when I started because I was learning to write and uh, initially uh, dur- during edits, I would go Oh, my characters are much better here. I must have done a class that day. <laughs> 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 or, or scene setting Oh, it's better here. And, you know, so that's that's the learning process.
1: I, I can i totally feel that and and your your time writing that first book is something that's been very common in uh, for me on the show hearing uh, other authors talk about yeah that first book took seven years eight years ten years uh gosh I, we had a guest here recently who that first book took 30 years it was just an on again off again process until they finally made the time to uh really get get serious about it but uh that that between seven and 10 years, is seems to be the average for the first book. And, and I think everybody's got the same story, myself included, where what I began, you know, eight years ago is not at all what was finished. And I remember looking at, at it and uh, going back to stuff I'd written previously for the story and
0: thinking, oh my goodness, I'm so glad this did not go in there. <laughs> yeah. That, funny you mentioned that because uh, I was looking for some older files and I came across a November um, 2010 first four chapters of Crisis Point and after reading about three quarters of the first page I thought I would just put it away.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh yeah and you you never know I mean some of that is just uh, it's information that turns into background information that uh, details that you needed to know so that way you could continue. I had I know I had plenty of things that did not make the book but they they certainly informed the rest of my writing uh to finish that book oh yeah absolutely yeah so uh, you've got uh you you put out three of those uh prior to this the fourth one's coming out soon 13 days of of terror uh which uh we're gonna be hearing from later today that's really exciting uh but most recently you put out a uh, a new book uh there's just gonna be a new series the speargrass opioid
0: yeah. Well, I, yes, it will be a new series. Um, the first first book came out um, in September, and uh, it's the re- readers are loving it. So I'll continue on with that. So it's a, a little different. It was interesting. I was listening to one of your previous podcasts, and you had Lou Diamond Phillips on. <laughs> and uh, it, it kind of fits into this because um, Longmire was an inspiration for this series I really liked the show mm-hmm. Frank Johnson being being the author and so Speargrass is set in Montana around Great Falls um, and Speargrass is a fictional uh, First Nation Indian reservation and the main character Franklin Eaglechild has just been hired to be the sheriff there and he come, comes in and he's been away from the reserve for a long time, so he's treated as an outsider. And he also steps into an opioid crisis. So the story kind of has him as a protagonist 1A, and then there's a 1B protagonist, his name is Matt Riley, or sorry, Riley Briggs, and um, he's a DEA agent. And so he's looking into the opioid crisis too, and not to give anything away, they have a backstory uh, from when they were kids. And so when they get reacquainted, they really talk about old times and don't talk about what they're working on. And eventually they, they figure out that they're working on the same thing, this opioid crisis. And so partner up to, uh, to fight the battle uh, against the opioid crisis. So that's, uh, that's, that's the basis of the story. I, uh, uh, my kids went to school in Utah. So I drove from Calgary straight down uh the i-15 to salt lake city more times than i can count <laughs> and got to know the area and when i came to write the story i thought that's that's just a perfect spot to have it oh that's fantastic and in a very different
1: setting from uh from your other books The the other ones look a little more urban whereas this one's the uh like a common day western
0: yeah that's 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 what i was after uh you know modern modern day uh western side to it um and i guess think for me it was a little bit of um testing my writing skills Mm. so really in in the brad coulter novels like i said i was writing what i knew Mm -hmm. this one was was different with different characters and and lots of research and lots of talking to people and and i was nervous about it because of some of the, the the topic in it but so far, it's been uh, well received, and people are already asking when the next one is out. So I'm going to have to get working on that pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm assuming that I was going to ask, but I'm assuming
1: that this was pretty refreshing to work on something totally different.
0: Yeah, it, it actually was. Um, I had written three of the Brad Coulter novels, and certainly, you know, like I said, had had him and the characters in my head, and it did take take uh, probably a month to kind of get rid of them and learn the new characters and it was slow at first probably the the first third it was it was slow going but uh by the time at twenty five thousand words or so i got to know the characters i had the setting and then things went uh quite a bit faster from there but but it was nice to have a whole new set of characters but also a challenge to make sure these characters were completely different from the ones in the brad coulter series oh gosh yeah i imagine so
1: now, what about uh, what about the future? Aside from this new series you began with with Speargrass and then and the uh, Brad Coulter's, uh, what what other stories do you have, or do you have aspirations
0: for different series? Well, I, I do actually have an aspiration for a different series. I'm probably crazy <laughs> um, having even thinking about three series. But in 2015, I wrote a short story for um, an anthology that was published here, and it was called A B Negative. And it was all crime stories from writers in Alberta. And so I submitted, it was supposed to be noir, but I really didn't get so dark in it. I had more of a 1940s uh, Mickey Spillane sort of uh, Raymond Chandler character, except he was in modern times, but he dressed, he wore a fedora, he wore a three piece suit. He talked in 40s slang and he was a private investigator. And I meant it as just really a, a tongue in cheek. Uh, sort of story. And it was published and, and people liked it. And then uh, I sent it to uh, an author friend of mine. And he emailed me back within a day and said, Oh, my gosh, why are you writing Brad Coulter? This is the story you need to write. This character <laughs> is great. So uh, I'm working on that. Uh, so uh, Like I said, he's like a 1940s private investigator in in 2020 and people comment on his looks and his slang and um, people underestimate him, but he's actually a really smart guy.
1: Do you, are you able to work on more than one story at a time or do you find that that kind of gets in the way of, of the other?
0: Um, I really try to stick with the main part of one, but within the process with my editor, sometimes there's a big time delay. Mm. So I will end up working on a second novel. Unfortunately for me, um, this fall, I have three novels all collide at the same time. (laughs) That was a really bad idea. Um, So Speargrass, um, as I said, came out September. Um, 13 Days of Terror comes out in, uh, in a week. And then also the next one in the Brad Coulter series is written and will come out in March. And it's at the editor right now. So things all happen at the same time, and that, especially when I was doing the two Brad Coulters kind of at the same time, I was getting my plots confused and who said what, where, when, and um, that was that was a bad idea. So I've rewritten a schedule, which I hope will be better for 2021, and I won't, uh, I won't paint myself into that kind of corner. <laughs>
1: Well, it's a good good problem to have because it it sounds like you're you're getting a lot of excitement for uh for future books and uh, for of course the sequels to your existing s- series. So it's a good problem.
0: Yeah, it is.
1: <laughs> well, so what uh, what can you tell us about book four, Thirteen Days of Terror? Uh, of course, without spoiling anything.
0: Yeah, well, just uh, um, all all my stories, I try to. I, I base on real incidents, but but I twist them into my own story. Um, so the idea for this one is actually from the, uh, I think it was 2002, the Beltline Sniper, uh, Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And So um, the premise of the story is a Sniper is wreaking havoc in Calgary and over a period of 13 days. There wasn't really any magic to the title of 13 days, except that 13 sounded way better than seven or nine. Uh, So I I made it fit into the title. Um, And so Brad Coulter um, has been off work for uh, a couple of months. I won't say why. You'd have to read uh, uh, Wolfman, the story before to know. And he's just coming back to work now and uh, falls right into the middle of this incident. And that's kind of Brad's background is, is uh, stuff just follows him if something's going to go wrong he will be there when it happens so that's the the premise on this one too he's supposed to be easing back into work but that's not the way it's going to happen <laughs> as it should for our protagonist this is a uh, in a
1: crime thriller <laughs>
0: oh yeah make make it as tough as you can
1: and I, I think that was a good decision on the the title because 13 has that ominous you know the intones tones that go with the number 13 so that's a good choice I think yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> well, so where can uh, where can people find and follow you?
0: All right. Well, you can they can uh, find me at dwayneclayden Um is Clayden is C L A Y D E N, and uh, the books are on Amazon as a ebook or as a as paperback. And uh, my website will always have the updates on when the next novel is coming out and what I'm working on. Um, And then uh, I suppose there's probably more Canadian audience, but uh, their books are also on Kobo as well. All right, fantastic. And we'll make sure and have links to
1: all of that in the show notes so everybody can just listen to this first, of course, and then hit that link in the show notes so you can go pick up. Well, you you got a a wonderful three book series put together already for the rest of the Brad Coulter and then grab book four. And, uh, you know, while you're in there, everybody grab Speargrass while you're out too, and start the next
0: series. Make great Christmas presents. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, Dwayne, this has been fantastic. I I really enjoyed speaking to you and, and I can't wait to check out some of these books for myself.
0: Well, that's great. Yeah,
1: this has been great talk. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time for me to step aside, put my feet up, and enjoy this sample chapter from our guest, Dwayne Clayton and
0: 13 Days of Terror. All right, thank you. Chapter one, gunfire echoed along the forestry cut line, tall evergreens and deciduous trees with first buds of spring lined the makeshift gun range, massive towers held sagging transmission lines, shafts of wild grass, sapped of life by the fall frost formed a carpet. Marvin Pittman and Logan Hirsch stood side by side, rifles at their shoulders, as they fired at targets 100 yards away. They reloaded and shot again. When they'd emptied their magazines, they set the guns down and jogged to the targets. Pittman, at 35, was seven years older than Hirsch, but he ran like he was 50. Where Pittman had a stocky build, Hirsch was slim, on the verge of scrawny. Pittman stopped at the targets, hands on his knees, gasping for breath. Finally, he stood, wiped his hand across his sweating forehead and balding scalp, and stared at his target. Hirsch glanced over and laughed. Looks like he used a shotgun, not a rifle. Jeez, Pittman said. You put 20 shots in the chest from 100 yards. Where did you learn to shoot like this? I grew up in Grand Prairie. From about the time I was six, I went hunting with my dad and uncles. We hunted everything. Deer, elk, moose, bear sometimes. Dad said I was a natural shooter. I'd say so. Put up some new targets and let's go again. An hour later, they sat on some tree stumps and cleaned the guns. Pittman wandered over to his truck and came back with a cooler. He pulled out two beers, handed one to Hirsch, and they guzzled. That hit the spot, Hirsch said. You plan for everything. I try, Pittman said. I needed that. Hirsch stretched his long legs out and yawned. Shooting is cleansing. Peaceful. Pittman closed his eyes and let the sun warm his face. I could sit here all day. A lot better than employment training, Hurst said. If I have to attend another week, I might blow my brains out. Hirsch mimicked the instructor in a high-pitched voice saying, Now that you know what to put in the resume, it's time to put that into practice. Use the notebook to create your resume. Just put up a hand if you need my help. Hirsch drained his beer and threw it into the trees, treating us like kids. Have another beer or three. You'll feel better. It'll take more than beer, Hurst said. The economy is crap and my life is worse than that. What's happening with your family? When the bank foreclosed on the house, the wife and kids went to stay with their parents in Whitecourt. We were talking by phone every day for about a month, but when I didn't find work, she stopped talking. Like it was my fault. She filed for a divorce two months ago, wants full custody of the kids. Whew, that hurts. You gonna fight it? <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll just take money out of my savings account and hire a good lawyer. Other than the cash they pay us for retraining, I don't have two nickels to rub together. Even if I fought it, I have no job and no prospects. The lawyers would get rich. I'd still be divorced and still not see my kids. The system is screwed. How do you feel about the training? It doesn't matter how I feel, Hirsch said. It's all crap. You and me know how to drill an oil well. I don't want to be some parts guy in an automotive store or stock boy in a hardware chain. Pittman emptied his beer, tossed it into the trees next to Hirsch's, and grabbed another. Pittman's leg vibrated. He had to be patient and lead Hirsch to the solution. Don't know what to say. The oil industry is dying. Maybe it will come back in a few years. But that doesn't help us today. That's the problem, Hirsch said. No one is helping us. The bank didn't give me a break or time to figure things out. I missed three payments, and boom, they're in court taking the house. Ford dealership took my truck. We get laid off with one month's pay while the oil executives keep their jobs, get their high salaries and bonuses, Pittman said. How can they earn bonuses when the industry is in shambles? Then they lay off half their staff. The bigwigs need to feel our pain, Pittman glanced at Hirsch, watching for a reaction. Hirsch didn't take the bait. Fat chance of that happening. They've closed ranks. They have the money to wait this out. We don't. Hirsch grabbed another beer and stared at the targets. You got family? Pittman shook his head. Not no more. I've been through this before. About 10 years ago, things got really bad. I got laid off, but I got a job at a well-servicing company in Calgary. Did that for about five years. I hated it, but it paid the bills. Then my old lady found religion. She was off to church meetings all the time. Bible study at her house. I had to drink beer in the garage. Then she took off with a bus driver she met at church. He promised he'd save her and give her everything she wanted. Jeez, I didn't know. Her scratched the patchy bald stubble on his face. Sorry. They hate each other and he's dirt poor, but God will provide. That'll teach her. Pittman swirled his beer, then took a long pull. Jobs are opening up here again, so I came back, just in time for another collapse. Neither of us got any luck. Hirsch finished the beer. Pittman picked at the beer label. He grabbed two beers out of the cooler and handed one to Hirsch. It was now or never. What if we could strike back? Hirsch cocked his head, eyebrows scrunched. You have an idea? Pittman picked up his rifle and pointed it down the meadow. I've been planning this for a long time.
1: Dun, dun, dun. Oh my goodness, that was an ominous reading from this week's guest, Dwayne Clayton, reading a sample chapter from his latest book, 13 Days of Terror. It is book four in the Brad Coulter thriller series. Just came out earlier in November, so it's available right now. Click that link in the show notes for Dwayne's website and the book and other ways that you can reach out to him and follow him. Don't forget to also click that link in the show notes for our podcast friends and sponsor alike. And hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next week when we're back here with speculative fiction author Carrie Harris. You're going to love it. Oh my gosh, it is an amazing episode. So until then, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. We'll see you again real, real soon.
0: This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.